Dear Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for this time. We just, I just pray that you would uh, speak the words that you have for us here this morning through me. And may we all receive a blessing and come to trust you in the way that you desire for us. In your name we ask, amen. The bad news is, is that the human condition hasn't changed much in the last 4,000 years, from 4,000 years ago till now. The good news is, is that God hasn't changed either, and that he's still as faithful today as he was 4,000 years ago. The Bible is the story of God's unending faithfulness to humanity in the face of almost universal unfaithfulness of man. It is the story of a God that keeps his promises when we don't believe he will. It is the story of a patient God working with impatient people. And if God can save people like that, he can save people like you and me. We're going to be opening the Bible this morning to Genesis chapter 11. Now, Genesis is an amazing book, and it's written kind of interestingly because you cover roughly 2,000 years of human experience in the first 11 chapters, and then things really slow down at the story of a man called Abraham, and we'll find out why. A very pivotal figure in the Bible, and one that we can learn a lot from, because he's a lot like you, and he's a lot like me. A lot, like you and me. We pick up the story in Genesis chapter 11, the first time that we uh, hear about, let me look at my notes here, where do we see this? Verse 27 through 30, we'll start reading. And this is the first time we hear, actually 26 is the first time we hear about him, but we're going to catch up the story, we're going to catch up with the story in verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begot Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abraham and Nahor took themselves wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarah was barren. She had no children. So we pick up the story, and I want to keep in the back of your mind here the idea that Sarah was barren when we pick up the story the first time. This is before Abraham is even called um, to go to a land that he knows not. Just to let you know, she was barren before the call, okay? So moving on here, in Genesis 12, 1 through 4, we hear the call of Abraham. And the call of Abraham is very interesting. Actually, Abraham is not called from Ur of the Chaldees. He's called from Haran, which his father actually moves from Ur of the Chaldees to Haran. And then Abraham's called in Haran. And it says here in verse 1 through 3, Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And this is a really interesting promise. This is the first really pivotal covenant that we actually see in the Bible. And it has three parts to it. The land, a great nation, or the people to fill it, and that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through Abraham and through his descendants. 
So um, we pick up the story again. There's a lot to Abraham's life, but I want to hit a few highlights here. Um, we pick up the story again and in chapter 15. Uh, and I'll just turn there real quick. Chapter 15. And uh, basically, what I'm going to be talking about is verse 1 through 6. And for the sake of time, we're just going to do an overview. So Abraham is now in the land of Canaan. And God comes to him, and he basically reiterates the covenant, saying, I'm going to bless thee, the land, and all these things. And we have this very interesting discussion between Abraham and God, because Abraham says, Behold, in verse 3, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And this is a very interesting situation, because God has already promised Abraham that through his lineage, the promise or the blessing will come. He doesn't exactly maybe know what that exactly is, but... The promise of seed is definitely clear in the first covenant. And now he's now we see that Abraham is losing a little faith here in some ways because he already has Eliezer, which was born in his house, that is supposed to be his heir. When you're looking for an heir, it means that you're pretty desperate because you don't think that you're going to have kids. And so we kind of see Abraham trying to figure out his own way here. And, you know, it's really interesting because um, don't we do that a lot ourselves? We try to... Um, say, okay, God gives us these wonderful promises, but then we're saying, okay, then I'm going to try to keep them myself instead of waiting for God to fulfill the promises that he's made to us. And, um, but thankfully, at the latter end, God says to him, you know, your, star, your descendants will be as the stars of the heavens and as the sands of the seas. And we see the first definition that I know of in the Bible for what righteousness is. And it says in verse 6, and he believed in the Lord, and he, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And so the working definition of righteousness from now on in the Bible should be either God's righteousness or us believing in God's faithfulness to keep his own promise, or when it's your own righteousness, it's you believing that you can keep God's promises for him. Um, that's the disparagency between what we see pretty much in the rest of Scripture. So we continue to go on here, and unfortunately, Abraham, even though he was righteous at this point, believing God that he would fulfill his promise to him, he lose faith. And we pick up the, the next part of the, the story in um, chapter 16, verse 1 through 3. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, was barren, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go unto the maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah his wife. And Sarah, and Abraham, and Sarah Abraham's wife took Hagar, her handmaid, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and given, gave her unto her husband Abraham to be his wife. You know, this is a very interesting thing. Is it faith, is it, the, is it sin that causes a lack of faith in God, or is it a lack of faith in God that causes sin? And in this instance, we see, and I would, I would uh, wager that in every instance that we see people sin, it's not necessarily because they're sinful people. Well, we are sinful people, but it's sin in action form is a cause of disbelief in God's promises. Okay? It doesn't happen over... You don't sin 
because, you know, you're doing wrong things. You sin because you lost faith in God's promises to you before then, and that precipitates down to actionary sin. And unfortunately, anything that is not of faith, righteousness by faith, Abraham didn't believe the promise, becomes sin in action later on. So, Abraham's a lot like us. We receive promises again and again and again, and uh, just like Abraham, we uh, tend to try to figure out these promises and make them a reality without God. So we pick up the ver- we pick up the chapter, and it's interesting that there's a silence. God doesn't say much until chapter 17. You know, Ishmael's already fairly old now, and God comes to Abraham again in um, verse uh, chapter 16 here. And let me see here. And basically, God reiterates his covenant in chapter 16, verse 10. And he goes through the covenant again. We actually see the, uh, the, the service of circumcision introduced. And he comes down and he comes down. And then he talks about, in verse 15, And God said unto Abraham, and he renames Abraham from Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt call her name Sarah, but Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said unto in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. So God says this whole thing. He doesn't even mention Ishmael. And then Abraham has to bring it up. He says, hey, what about this son? And basically God says unto him, you know, Ishmael is definitely your son. But he's not the son of the promise. He's not the son of the covenant. Abraham, your works do not qualify in this. The strength of my promises is in my ability to fulfill them to you, not in your ability to fulfill them for yourself. And so, in the course of time, a year later after this covenant was given, now Isaac was born. It's very important that we understand here that in any of our experiences, whether it's in the farming experience, whether it's in our spiritual life, whether it's in any of these areas, God desires to take us to the next level. And we see this progression with Abraham. First it starts out with this. Then he says, maybe the covenants, maybe I'll have to have Eliezer. Then it starts with this. And then he tries to figure out Ishmael's situation. And then God brings it to it again. And then Isaac's born, independently of Abraham's working. An interesting thing is, is that the promise that was given to Abraham was given in the context of knowing that Sarah was already barren. When God makes promises to you, he knows your condition already. You don't have to tell him that. He's taken into consideration that you are already a broken wasted individual but the strength of the promises is not in your ability to keep it it's in God's ability to keep it through you so we catch the story again because as God is he always desires to take us to the next level of faith and we pick up the story again in Genesis chapter 22 and it says verse 1 and it came to pass that after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him Abraham and he said, behold, here I am. I love the old English, you know, behold, <laughs> here I am. Anyways, uh, anyways, uh, just not how I talk every day. 
And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there to be a burnt offering unto, upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham arose early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of the young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Now, the Bible is very condensed, you know. Uh, when we read the spirit of prophecy, it kind of gives this long thing of struggle and the sun walking, you know, all this kind of stuff. We don't get that from the Bible. We get an instant that Abraham is now to the point in his experience that when the Lord calls and said, this is what I want you to do, he goes. And this is kind of a thing, you know, Abraham, go to the land where I know not and I will show thee. And he goes. This is a quality of Abraham in a lot of ways. You know, it's not all bad about Abraham. You know, we all have goodness, good qualities to us, but most of the time they're outweighed by our bad ones. Um, But in this instance, we see Abraham going. But why can Abraham go with this type of speed, this type of, you know, just like that? And we get a glimpse of why this is in... uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16. And we'll start there. And this is really a beautiful thing. This is extremely powerful because it shows that Abraham has now come to an experience in his relationship with God that he's trusting more to the promises of God than to the reason of man. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city By faith, Abraham, when he was tired, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also in figure, from whence also he received him in a figure. And this is a very important thing, because you hear about Sarah's womb being dead from the very beginning. Therefore, when Isaac was born, he was basically born from the dead. So we see that Abraham's logic is, I received this son from the dead. Therefore, God can give me back my son from the dead. God desires in all of our experience for us to realize that we are truly dead. Abraham's was dead. Sarah's womb was dead. In fact, we're all dead spiritually speaking. But the thing is, is that do we recognize that we're dead? Do we recognize that there is no hope within us, and are we willing to cling to the promises that God has made to us? So we catch the story back up a little bit later in, not Judges, in Genesis chapter 22. Let me just get back there real quick. Genesis chapter 22. And we see Abraham's faith here, starting in verse 7. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and he said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. For the burnt offering, so they went both of them together. You see Abraham's faith here. God's promises against God's what's telling me to do. 
if God has given me this promise, I have to rely. I have to cling to that promise even though it doesn't make any sense to me. God will provide himself a lamb. And it came to pass, and, it came to the, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and he laid the wood in order and bowed and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, this is very interesting. We don't see in here what the spirit of prophecy says about Abra- you know, Isaac you know, humbling himself and anything. It basically says he tied him, he put him on the altar. We, we have to take spirit of prophecy in what it says here. But it's very interesting that even the son of the promise, Isaac, was just as faithful to the idea of the promise. Isaac, in his own mind, knew the covenant. He had heard the covenant from his son. He knew he was the son of promise. And he knew that through him, even though he would be killed, God would raise him from the dead. So not only do we see the father believing the promises of God, but we see the son correlating with the promises that he's heard from his father that God had given to his father about him. Incredible. And, the, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And an angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, that thou believest God in his promises, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, and behold him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him unto a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jalah, as is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in and in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sands which are upon the sea shore, and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. I love this last part. He says, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, because thou hast done this thing. What had Abraham done? Believed. Believed. When we talk about works that we're supposed to do, it really only comes down to believing that God will do it through us. Believe. Um, But unfortunately, it's a lot more difficult for humanity to believe that God will do his work through us than to try to do it ourselves. But when we do believe, the blessing that comes through it is not only for us, not only for our families, but for all that come in contact with us. 15 minutes or 20? Or... Okay. I'm like, Dad, give me a time check at 15. You know, when we come to our farming experience, when we come to the situations where we believe that God has promised that this is the ideal and things are taking longer than it appears that it will take, I hope that you will think of Abraham and the experience that he had. Believe. Believe the promises that he's made to you. And don't lack in that faith. Because as we see through the history, God is faithful. 
to reveal those promises. We, as a family, have been looking for land, seems like, for a long time. And I have to say personally that I haven't always had the best faith in that area. I have stressed over situations which I didn't need to stress about. And I still stress about situations I don't need to stress about. Um, But God is taking us all on a journey. And we'll most likely fall and fail like Abraham on the way. But remember, the promises is not in whether you fall or fail. The promises is in the strength of the promise that God has made to you. And in closing, if I can get this page, I wrote a few things down here that I want to read. God wants to do, God wants to do a work in you, for you, and through you. You trusting in the faithfulness of God is what makes you faithful to him. God knows that you cannot bear fruit unto righteousness without trusting in his faithfulness to you. He knows that we have a history of barrenness, like Sarah. But he asks us to have faith, not in, our, in ourselves, but in his faithfulness to us. And when we will do this, we will bear fruit, and, bless, and the blessing will not be for us, for, but for all those around us. If we don't recognize that we are a waste place, then God cannot do anything for us. We need that revelation every day that we're a waste place, that we are barren and wasted human being. The most important of all, but most important of all, is that we recognize that God is the only one that can restore us to, the fruit, to be fruitful and wonderful land that might be a blessing unto his name. My prayer for you is that you lose faith in your ability to make yourself better and you allow God to grow your faith in his faith and what, what he can do through you, for you, and that that blessing might touch all the nations of the earth. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for the stories of Abraham, for the stories of people that have gone before, for the reality that there are people just like you, sorry, that there are people just like us. Dear Father, we want to take heart that even through broken humanity, By your power and your might, you can change us and make us into those beings that can honor and glorify your name. May we trust more to your righteousness. May we trust more to your ability to make us righteous than our ability to make ourselves righteous. May we always be reminded of the reality of our own unworthiness and inability to do your will and constantly reminded that your ability to make us into what you desire us is completely there and sufficient. Go with us today. May we become more and more like you by your grace working through us. In your name we ask, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.